Everlasting Father, we thank you for another opportunity to spend in your presence and study your word. We thank you for how you have been with us all through the week, how you are strengthening us, and how you have been our protection, protecting our families, our kids, helping us in our jobs, providing for us, Lord. We appreciate you, God, in the name of Jesus. Even as we want to start studying your word, we ask that you please speak to us through your word. Help us to discover something about ourselves that you want us to um, you want us to change and help us to discover where you are you approve of us, oh God. Teach us and help us to do your will all the days of our lives. We invite your presence here, Jesus, God, Holy Spirit. We ask that you would fellowship with us even as we sit at your feet, like Mary. Do not pass us by. Forgive us for all the distracting stuffs. Forgive us for all the camera light actions that might want to distract us. Help also, God, to still feel your presence, to still um, um, maintain your presence, to hear from you amidst all the distractions going on, oh God. We are covered with the blood of Jesus. Speak to us through your word and receive the glory, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So today we are going to continue our study of chapter 3 of The Quest for God, a book by Peace House, Discipleship Works. And um, it's been an interesting journey. We've gone from chapter 1, chapter 2, and we are now in chapter 3. And it's been awesome. So now we are going to chapter three. Before I continue, we will um, take our hymn. You can sing along or listen along. Um, the hymn is There is a fountain filled with blood. I'm going to share my screen and we'll take it. Thank you. 
fountain filled with blood and this is the blood that has made us where we are today as Christians is the blood responsible for our freedom from guilt of sin from the consequences of sin the blood that made a way for us to connect and reconcile back to God to enjoy his blessings freed us from fear and from every baggage that sin, um, sin used to um, burden its victims with. So if you're still in sin, I'm sure that you know what I'm talking about. And if you have been delivered from sin, you also know what I'm talking about. When you sin, it has a lot of baggage. It has guilt. It has shame. It has enslavery. When the tempter comes and knocks at your door and says it's time to sin, and then you start shaking, start sweating, your heart starts pounding, and then you're like, I don't want to do this. But if you're a slave to sin, 
you give in and then you do it, enjoy the pleasure that doesn't last so long. And then afterwards, you feel guilty, you feel sad, depressed, feel shame. And that is how the cycle goes over and over again for all those who are still slaves to sin. But for, for those that have been delivered and saved and bought through the precious blood of Jesus, they have freedom such that when such that the old man that doesn't have a choice but to sin is destroyed and nailed to the cross and the new man comes in the new man has the power to say no to sin and when the tempter comes to tempt our flesh we say no to sin and we are free and we experience um, deliverance from such pressure in our bodies after some time we say no to sin and we have overcome that sin we experience joy because we did not fall into sin and that is the kind of life that God wants for you and I. And it's, we start experiencing, experiencing God's presence, God's love. We start feeling his love, enjoying his love, his protection, his, his salvation, his grace, his provision, his blessings, clean blessings. And so that is what it means to be a child of God and more, because I'm not explaining it properly. I hope you get the point. So last week we stopped here. Paul, the former persecutor of the church, worked the works of God more earnestly than all those who came before him. Nevertheless, not all who had the opportunity to possess God succeeded in utilizing it. The prayerlessness of Lot, the instability of Reuben, the covetousness of Gehazi, the loss of the flesh in Esau, and the spirit of Mammon in Judas Iscariot did not allow them to know God and possess God. So this, um, okay, let me keep reading. In this study, we shall consider ba the basic conditions for knowing and possessing God. Do pray for insights and examine your heart in the light of his word with a view of making the necessary adjustments as you study along. So there are going to be adjustments that you will need to make as you study the word of God. So basic conditions for knowing God is for people that are already born again, right? Um, the first step is the new birth. You have to be born again before you know God because flesh cannot know God. So the, for you to know God, you must it has to be established that you are born again. But before we rush through the spots that state that explain or not explain that stated people that lost the opportunity to possess God, to know God and possess God. I just want to talk about the prayerlessness of Lot. So Lot, um, was considered prayerless here because in a part of the Bible, they said that Lot vexed his precious soul by staying in Sodom. He vexed his righteous soul by staying in Sodom. And I would like to um, read that part before we go on. So it is 
Second Peter chapter two verse eight. It says that, let's start from six. And turning the cities of Sodom and Gomorrah into ashes. Oh, okay, let's start from four. For if God spared not the angels that sinned, but cast them down to hell and delivered them into chains of darkness to be reserved unto judgment. And spared not the old world, but saved Noah, the eighth person, a preacher of righteousness, bringing in the flood upon the world of the ungodly. And delivered just Lot, vexed with the, vil- the, sorry, vexed with the filthy conversation of the wicked. For that righteous man dwelling among them in seeing and hearing, Vexed is righteous soul from day to day with their unlawful deeds. The Lord knoweth how to deliver the ungodly out of temptation and to reserve the unjust until the day of judgment to be punished. So Lot was a man that was living in a sinful community, a depraved community. And one easy way to avoid committing sin or falling into sin or vexing your righteous soul, if you find yourself in a depraved community, is to leave. Maybe leave and go somewhere else. The Bible didn't tell us why Lot did not want to leave Sodom and Gomorrah. However, the Bible told us that he vexed his righteous soul every day. So the, uh, the, the activities of the people around him were very grievous to his soul. He, his soul he was trying to keep his soul righteous. But the, those activities were grievous to him. I don't know if you, you, could, you find yourself in a situation or your environment where you want to do right, but everything around you is, is, is sin. Everything is depraved, perverse. For example, you go on your phone and you want to scroll through Maybe you're watching Instagram and you just want to entertain yourself with interesting stuff. And then you, you come across evil pictures showing um, sinful sins. And you come across terrible pictures, dirty pictures, things that are against God's word. Even if you say, okay, I want to leave social media. Just like Lord, I want to leave this place. Um, that's one way to avoid seeing such terrible pictures and such terrible, um, sinful scenes, right? Um, but the truth is that if you live in this place and you don't have a choice, maybe, for example, your business is on social media and then you cannot leave because you always have to know what's happening how to publicize your business, how to um, make more customers hear about your business. You always have to um, come across this kind of terrible pictures. Even if you don't even follow people that are sinful or terrible, the social media still has a way of bringing this bad sins to you. And then it goes into your eyes and goes into your memory and your thought and it vexes your righteous soul. For example, if I see a scene that is an abomination to God on TV 
or on a, in an advert or in on my phone. I'm like, oh, I just I just close my eyes, you know. But I, I'm vexing my righteous soul. And as we, I don't know if you've read about Lot's story, but you have to read it. It's very interesting. Um, Lot could not save his wife from such environment. And he barely saved himself and his two daughters because it was just a mess, even when God delivered them from Sodom and Gomorrah. So we would not call Lot a person that possessed God, that knew God. There was no record of him knowing God. He was just pardoned um, for Abraham's sake. Not because he, he, by what we saw, not because he was a man that knew God. His two children, after God delivered him from Sodom and Gomorrah, his two children, I don't know what kind of idea they had, but they made him drunk and they slept with him so that they could have children. They probably thought they were the only ones in the world. They did not know the laws of God. They did not know God in any way. So he did not possess God. He did not know God. And although he had a righteous soul, righteous soul, he did not maintain that righteous soul in that perverse generation by reading the word of God and prayer. And that is why this place says that That is why it says here that the prayerlessness of Lot, prayerlessness of Lot. And so the prayerlessness of Lot, and I want to add the, on the, the, the absence of the desire to know God prevented, and prevented him from possessing God. That is, that is what I have discovered now. So the truth is that we, I, am actually in an environment similar to Lot's environment. Everything that happened in Lot's time is happening in my environment. If you want to read about the angels that came <clears throat> to, into Sodom and Gomorrah to the angels that came into Sodom and Gomorrah to deliver Lot and his family, when the men of Sodom heard that, oh, new men are around, they wanted to have sex with them. And that is terrible. And it's, it was very funny because Lot wanted to even give his virgin daughters to them to pacify their anger. But the angel of God struck the men with blindness. And so I have I live among in an environment where all those practices are being like approved and not in secret, but openly public publicly practices that the Bible in Romans one condemns the practices that we as Christians are not supposed to um, discriminate against the people that are homosexuals or um, lesbians or gay or transgender, we're not supposed to discriminate against them. We are supposed to show them God's love. We're supposed to love them. We're supposed to care for them. We're supposed to pray for them. And we're supposed to show them services if you are supposed to do um, 
bake cake for a transgender couple, go ahead and do it. Do it and make it the best cake ever. You know, if you are supposed to be led by the Spirit to do whatever, do it according to the Holy Spirit living in you. Do what God wants you to do according to the Holy Spirit living in you. Well, the truth is that it doesn't change the fact that they are sinners. It doesn't change the fact that the Bible says, I am not pleased with those acts. That's what the Bible says. And so I am seeing the acts that God is not pleased with because I'm trying to avoid the acts that my God is not pleased with. I'm seeing all these acts on TV. I'm seeing all these acts on my phone. And I tell my kids, love these people, love the world, uh, love, love the people of the world, love sinners, love your friends, love your enemies. Jesus ate with sinners, love them. But you know what? Don't take part in their deeds. Don't take part in their acts. But guess what? These things are all over the TV, almost looking like it is the way to go. But for Christians, Jesus said, that is not what I want you to do. That is not my way. It might be the way the world is going, but that is not my way. So in order for us to live in this generation and possess God, we need to be prayerful. We need to read God's word and know God's word every day. We need to cover our souls with the word of God so that we don't vex our souls day and night. We need to... There's an illustration that my best friend used to give. He says that um, everything in this environment that I am, that we are, drains your supply. So you are like a tap that constantly runs because you are trying to actually cover your heart and your righteous soul with the word of God. And then the environment due to social media and everything you see extracts that word of God. So you need a constant supply of the word of God or else your tap will run dry. So the tap is open. If you're in a, if you're in a perverse um, environment where they're doing opposite of what the Bible says, your tap is just open and the word of God is just <laughs> being expelled from you. So you need a constant refill to cover your righteous soul to prevent you from being swept away by the world. And so that you don't wake up one day and say, there's nothing bad in it. It's not the law of God. It's not the will of God for you and I. So let's move forward from here. I believe we might still study Lot. We might study Reuben, Gehazi, Esau, Judas, Iscariot. So um, as we, we study, pray for insights and examine your heart in, in the light of God's word with a view of making the necessary adjustments as you study along. But the first thing we're going to be studying right now is the new birth. The new birth, what is the significance of this condition in the light of the following scriptures? So John 3, 3 to 7. We're going to read John 3, verse 3 to 7. 
and John 5, 12 to 15. So I'm going to open the Bible and read, and I would like you to open your Bible and read as well. So I like this. <laughs> I really like this part of the Bible. I like it a lot. John 3, 3 to 7. It says that Jesus answered and said unto him, Verily, verily, I say unto thee, except a man be born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Nicodemus said unto him, how can a man be born when he is old? Can he enter the second time into his mother's womb and be born? Jesus answered, verily, verily, I say unto thee, except a man be born of water and of the spirit, he cannot enter into the kingdom of God. That which is born of the flesh is flesh. And that which is born of the spirit is spirit. Marvel not that I said unto thee, you must be born again. So what is the meaning of being born again? What does being born again mean? Does it mean being born, going back to your mother's womb and tell her to deliver you again? No, that is being born of the flesh. So everybody has been born of the flesh. We came into this world in, when our daddy and our mommies conceived us and we were born and thank God we are in existence. And, but in order to leave this world and go back to where we came from, we have to be born of the spirit. And that is the second birth, the new birth. And that is the meaning of being born again. So, um, and they said, that which is born of flesh is flesh, and that which is born of spirit is spirit. Except a man be born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Except a man be born of water and of the spirit, he cannot enter into the kingdom of God. So how can we be born of water and of the spirit of God? Because that is one way for us to the basic conditions for us to know God. Let's keep reading the um, verses that follow and we will answer these questions. John 5, 12 to 13. John 5, 12 to 13 says, uh, it says, then ask they him, what man is that which said unto thee, take up thy bed and walk? And he that was healed wished not who it was. Okay. So this is King James Version, and I would like to use NIV because it's clearer, or I'll use New Living Translation. So it says that John 5, 12 to 13 says, then ask they him, wait, that's not it. 12 to 13 says, okay, so let, let's, let's start from 11. When Jesus healed the man, that's the story here. So if we start from 8 to 13, John 5, 8 to 13, it says, Jesus told him, stand up, pick up your mat and walk. Instantly, the man was healed. He rolled up his sleeping mat and began walking. 
But this miracle happened on the Sabbath. So the Jewish leaders objected. They said unto the man who was cured, you cannot walk on the Sabbath. The law doesn't allow you to carry that sleeping mat. But he replied, the man who healed me told me, pick up your mat and walk. Who said such a thing as that? They demanded. The man didn't know, for Jesus had disappeared into the crowd. Aha. Hmm. Uh -huh. I know that this verse was weird. Anyway, we read that part, but that's not what we're supposed to read. We're supposed to read 1 John 5, 12 to 13. Okay, so 1 John 5, 12 to 13 says that whoever has the son has life. Whoever doesn't, does not have God's son does not have life. Whoever has the son, that's Jesus in them, have life, has life. And whoever doesn't have God's son does not have life. I have written this to you who believe in the name of the son of God so that you may know you have eternal life. Then it's very funny that many people are walking this earth and they don't have life. They have been born of the flesh, but they've not been born of the spirit, and they are walking on the surface of the earth without life. They're not walking with life, they are walking with death. So they are living, but they are dead. I have written this to you who believe in the name of the Son of God so that you may know that you have eternal life. And what is eternal life? That is the life that we have once you are born again, you have that life. It doesn't mean going to heaven. Eternal life is a kind of life that God gives us that are born again. And the people walking around, they have the physical life, yes, but they don't have that life, that eternal life. Eternal life, as the Bible defines it, is knowing God and Jesus. So, and all right. So, John 17, verse 3. John 17, 3 says that. And this is the way to have eternal life, to know you, the only true God, and Jesus Christ, the one you sent to earth. So knowing God and Jesus is how to have eternal life. Amen. So um, let's keep reading the verses that follow. And it says here that we have to read one 1 Corinthians 2, 12 to 14, and Amos 3, 3. So 1 Corinthians 2, 12 to 14. Twelve to fourteen says that, and we have uh, and we have received God's spirit, not the world's spirit, so that we know the wonderful things God has freely given us. 
When we tell you these things, we do not use words that come from human wisdom. Instead, we speak words given to us by the Spirit, using the Spirit's word to explain spiritual truth. And we have received God's Spirit. We are born of the Spirit. And receive God's Spirit so that we can know the wonderful things God has freely given us. When we tell you these things, we do not use words that come from human wisdom. Instead, we use words given by the Spirit. And I'm trusting God to speak by the Spirit to explain this being born of water and by the Spirit of God to us. Using the Spirit's word to explain spiritual truth. And the last verse we're going to read is Amos chapter 3, verse 3. It says that, can two people walk together without agreeing on the direction? So the issue of knowing God and possessing him is a kingdom matter. It belongs only to the children of the kingdom. Except you are born again, you cannot see it, you cannot enter it. The natural man has no potential to receive the things of the Spirit of God. He cannot even know them because they are spiritually discerned. Anyone who is still living in sin has not known God and has no ability to know him. It is the new birth experience that ushers us into the realm of the spiritual. That is, that is what gives us the potential to be able to know God and possess him as our inheritance. And the question is, have you experienced the new birth in Christ Jesus? Are you a child of the kingdom? So that's the question. So the question is, have you experienced this new birth? How will I know that I've experienced a new birth? How will you answer this question if you don't know if you've experienced the new birth or not? Are you a child of the kingdom? Before I go further, I want to see what's next. Okay. So we are still, let's still stay on this new birth, um, which I will, uh, is this? Okay, this new birth. So how would you know you are born of the spirit and of water? Being born of the spirit is something that God alone is able to do to you. When you come to him, when you come to God in salvation, when God draws you to him and the Holy Spirit convicts you of your sin, then the blood of Jesus washes you clean. And then God does the work of salvation in your life. And, that it, and then the Holy Spirit leaves in you and fills you up. And then it will be said that you are born of the Spirit. And when you are washed with the blood of Jesus and with water through the word of God, you do something called water baptism, which is a, an outward sign that you are being born again. And the Bible um, showed us that Jesus did this when he was, he was um, to fulfill all righteousness. Jesus was baptized by John the Baptist. And I think I've explained this, um, the process of being born of water and the spirit of God in previous episodes, where I say that 
based on what God has shown me through the word of God, based on how, how the, the book John chapter 3 explained it, and based on how, how the birth of Jesus was, and that was that 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 was the that was the explanation that I got from God. So how was Jesus born? Jesus was born of the Spirit of God, and he he was born of the Spirit. He was not born of the flesh at all. You don't even need to be born of the flesh to to go to heaven. You only need to be born of the Spirit and of water. And so. He was born um, of a virgin, so he was not born of the flesh. So how do you, how are you born of the flesh? You are born of the flesh when your dad and your mom have sexual intercourse and they conceive you. So there's something in the seed, the sperm. Let me not call it the seed. Let me call it the sperm. The sperm and the egg, right? I don't want to go into the seed explanation because, because God said the seed of the woman shall bruise your head and the seed is the egg, right? So the sperm is the sperm, not the seed. The sperm fertilizes the egg. So your dad's sperm fertilizes your mom's egg and then you are born of the flesh. However, um. Jesus was born of the spirit because that process did not take place, right? The egg was there and it, the spirit of God, which is the new man. And before I continue, the, the sperm is the old man, right? Based on the knowledge that God has given, the sperm is this old man, fertilizes the egg, and then it becomes a human being. Now, the spirit of God is the new man that um, comes into the egg and becomes a human being with flesh and blood, except that he has the new man instead of the old man. So the sperm was not involved. The old man was not involved. Jesus never had the old man. He was always born of the spirit. And when he came out, having the spirit of God, having the new man, Having the new man, he was then filled with the spirit of God. So the new man and the spirit of God, they are two separate things. The new man is the, the, the person, the thing that God, the new, creature, the new creation that God puts inside us. When we have the new man, then we are born again. And when we are filled with the spirit of God, then we have the Holy Spirit living inside us. And the Holy Spirit came upon him and then he had to be baptized to fulfill all righteousness. And so he was born of the spirit because the spirit came into Mary's egg. And then he was then filled with the spirit of God. And then he was baptized and he was born of water. And he had the new birth. So the new birth is very significant for um, knowing God. So now the question is, have you experienced the new birth in Christ Jesus? Okay, so I explained how Jesus was born of the Spirit. Let me explain how we are born of the Spirit. 
The Bible in 2 Corinthians 5 verse 17 says that if any man is in Christ, so I was about to explain being born of the spirit for somebody that was born of the flesh, like me and you. So being born of the spirit is when God, God nails that old man that your daddy gave you to the cross. Takes the old man and nails him to the cross. And we can read it. Um, we can read where God did that. And that is in sorry for the Colossians two fourteen. Um, two fourteen. It's a powerful verse. Very powerful scripture. And show my screen now and show us. So he says that you were dead because of your sins. Colossians two thirteen. From 13, you were dead because of your sins and because your sinful na nature was not yet cut away. That sinful nature is the old man. Then God made you alive with Christ, for he forgave all your sins. He canceled the record of the charges against you and took it away by nailing it to the cross. In this way, he disarmed the spiritual rulers and authorities. He shamed them publicly publicly by give, by his victory over them on the cross. Okay. I think there's another verse that was really um, very clear about old man being made to the cross. So there it says that all your debts and all your records um, have been nailed to the cross. But in Romans 6 verse 6, it says that your old man, that is the man that lives in you, that makes you sin, that is slave to sin, cannot do without sinning, that cannot say no to Satan, to the tempter. It says that since um, Romans 6 verse 5 says since we have been united with him in his death, we will also um, we will also be raised to life as he was. We know that our old sinful selves were crucified with Christ. See that? You see that everything is just spiritual because Christ died like two thousand plus years ago, and guess what? He died actually before everything existed in the spiritual realm. So. It's a mystery. We, when we come to Christ, what happens is that 
our old man, our old sinful selves, our old sinful selves were crucified with Christ so that sin might lose its power in our lives. We are no longer slaves to sin. So that old sinful man, and let me see if KJV calls it a man, because here it calls itself. And so six verse six says, knowing this that our old man is crucified. Sorry about the trunk, the stuff. Knowing this, that our old man is crucified with him, that the body of sin might be destroyed, that henceforth we should not serve sin. So knowing this, that our old man is crucified with Jesus, that the body of sin might be destroyed, that henceforth we should not serve sin. For he that is dead is freed from sin. So that old man is dead. And that's why it says that in 2 Corinthians 5.17, that anybody that comes to Christ is now a new creature. New creature. All things are passed away. Behold, all things are becoming new. So God puts in the new man in us. We have, so, 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 yeah. Knowing, so if we be dead with Christ, we believe that we shall also live with him. Knowing that Christ being raised from the dead died no more. Death had no dominion over him. For in that he died, he died unto sin once. But in that he liveth, he liveth unto God. Okay. So I was trying to look for where it says, talks about your new man that God will give you. So let me just quickly look for that. So apart from um, the new man or new creature, creation, they said that if anyone is in Christ, is a new creation. Apart from that verse that talks about you being a new creation when Jesus nails that old man to the cross, there's something um, um, in Colossians 3, verse 9 to 10. And we'll just read quickly. Colossians 3, verse 9 to 10. I'm going to quickly share my screen. In Colossians 3, please open your Bibles too. Colossians 3, verse 9 to 10 says, Lie not one to another, seeing that ye have put off the old man with his deeds, and have put on the new man, which is renewed in knowledge after the image of him that created him. So put, you have put off the old man, because God has put it off from you. He has nailed it to the cross. And then you are putting on the new man, which is renewed in knowledge after the image of him that created him. So when you have the new man living in you and something tempts you to tell lies, you have the power to say no. Yes, you might be feeling like, oh, anxious and like, should I do it? Should I not do it? But you now have the power to say no. You are no longer a slave. The, the, the new man would give you the power to say no. But you also need the spirit of God, the Holy Spirit living in you to quicken your, your new man 
You need to read the word of God and you need to pray for the new man to be activated, to say no to sin. And so it's not just enough to have the new man to be born again. The next steps mean um, you have to make a conscious, conscious effort to mortify all of this, to say no. But now you have that power because the new man have the power. And so the last verse we are going to see right now is where it says that the new man has the power to say no to sin. And then next week, by God's grace, we should start from why do we still, why do Christians that are born again still fall into sin, like lie or get angry and are rot, a blaspheme, but from all this, like, sins, right? So the last verse I want to show us is where it says, the new man has the power to say no to sin. I think it's in Timothy. Um, Timothy. Timothy. So, oh, Titus. Let's see. So, Titus 2, verse 11 to 12. Titus 2, 11 to 12. Sorry, I'm searching for these Bible verses. So it says, Titus 2 verse 12 in NIV says that it teaches us to say no to ungodliness and worldly passions and to live self-controlled, upright and godly lives in this present age. So 11 says that for the grace of God has appeared that offers salvation to all people. So as many that have the new birth are being taught to say the grace of God teaches our new man to, to say no to ungodliness and worldly passion. So now that you are a child of God, you have the grace to say no. You can say no as opposed to when you are, uh, you have the old man that doesn't have a choice but to sin against God. I pray that God through his word will teach our hearts and help us to understand because the, the verse that says that we use spiritual things to explain spiritual things. So, by using the Bible now to explain spiritual mysteries, what does it mean to be born of the Spirit? As you study, I hope you were with your notebooks and your um, pen and papers, and I hope you jotted down the Bible verses so that next time you can go and study and understand what it means to be born again and answer the questions. Um, have you experienced the new birth in Christ Jesus? Are you a child of the kingdom? 
if you have not, all you need to do is to come to God, be convicted of your sins. You have to realize that you are a sinner and all the way you've been living your life, God is not happy with it. If you are living in sin, God is obviously not happy with you. But does it mean that God doesn't love you? He loves you. And he just wants you to come to him. So come to God, go on your knees, pray, ask God to forgive you. Ask Jesus to wash you clean with his blood and ask the Holy Spirit to live in you. Ask God to do the work of righteousness by removing the old man and putting the new man in you. And then you will be born again. You'll be born of the spirit. And then you will also be born of water when you are baptized. And also when you continue to read the word of God, that cleanses us with water through the word. And another thing is um, then we can move forward in knowing God. So the first step is the new birth. And we're going to pray right now. And if you need Jesus in your life, just ask him to come into your heart and ask God to do the work of righteousness. And if you're already a Christian, ask God to help you to um, grow in Christ, to grow in, to grow in the knowledge that you are a child of God and to say no to ungodliness. I don't know if you are a Christian and then you've not been saying no to ungodliness. You know you've been born again because you felt it. You became a new creation when you came to Christ. But you, you, you've allowed sin to rule over you. You've not said no. You've not been saying no. You might want to ask God again to come into your life. Ask God again to give you this new man. Ask God again to save you. And to waken the dead new man. Because... You have to actually feed the new man and make him alive. To awaken this new man in you and to help you to maintain the presence of God in your life. And that is our prayer today. Lord, help me to maintain my new birth. Help me to maintain my new birth because that is the step one in knowing you. Thank you because you have done it. In Jesus' mighty name, I pray. Amen. But I would thank you for your word because your word is powerful. And quick and sharper than two-edged sword, we have dissected the word and used your word to explain other parts of your word. We ask that this word should change our lives. The word would not should not leave us. Even as we see bad pictures and it affects us, Lord. Let now that we have sat down at your feet and we have read your word, let it affect us. Let it change us. Let it transform us. Let it set us free from sin. Let your word that is powerful and quick divide the bone marrow and do all the work of righteousness in our life. Destroy the work of sin in our life, oh God. As we have sat down at your feet and we have stayed at your, in your word, oh God, let the power in your word be effective in our life, in Jesus' name. In my life, oh God, whatever deeds of the flesh that I still need to mortify, oh God, begin to mortify it in my life. And the people that are watching, oh God, whatever deeds of the flesh that they need to mortify, Lord, let your word that has come out today, mortify those deeds of the flesh in Jesus' name, so that we can know you more, oh God. And we pray for those who have, don't yet have the new birth, oh God, that you would give them the new birth, oh God. Have mercy upon them, even as they watch, even as they listen, even as they open the Bible scriptures, oh God. Let them be convicted of their sins, oh God. Let them come to you, oh God. Save souls all over the world in the name of Jesus Christ. Draw men to yourself, oh God, because you said that it's, nobody comes to God 
oh jesus except you oh god draw them oh god when you draw them then jesus will save them and then you will do the work of righteousness and when you draw them jesus will forgive them and wash them with his blood you do the work of righteousness destroying the old man putting in the new man oh god do this in the lives of all the people that are watching that don't know you yet that have not experienced the new birth oh god i ask in the name of jesus christ heal the sick all over the world oh god and let their healing brings salvation unto their soul. Heal the depressed. Give them your joy, oh God. Let them find joy in, joy in you, oh God. Heal the suicidal people that are, are, are about to take their life, oh God. That you will have mercy upon them, oh God. And heal them, oh God. And give them joy in you. And let them experience the eternal life, even here on earth, oh God. We pray, oh God, for the people that are... Um, that are molested, oh God, that you deliver them from that situation of molestation, oh God. Deliver them, oh God, and bring, give them a way of escape, oh God. Set them free, oh God, and give them salvation, oh God. Bless them, oh God, and give them joy to deserve your name, oh God. And when you come in your glory, oh God, help us to be found in heaven in Jesus' mighty name of prayer. Amen. Awesome. That is an awesome Bible study. And stay blessed. See you next time. Amen. Have you ever listened to a podcast and thought about what other listeners are saying about that episode? Have you ever thought about giving feedback and interacting with the host of a favorite podcast? Podroom is a podcast player and chatroom platform for the podcast communities. Join millions of similar podcast listeners and interact with like minds on the Podroom app. It's a social networking platform with over 750,000 audio and video podcast content. It's available on the Play Store and App Store. Download Podroom now to enjoy this episode. I'm not